0: Welcome to Gathering Gold. This is Cheryl Paul.
1: And I'm Victoria Russell. Cheryl, I think that this topic of the mother wound is one of the most tender topics we have addressed so far in the podcast. And I'm imagining that some people might have a visceral reaction to... The episode title the mother wound Hmm. some people might feel guilty for even listening to this episode let alone maybe signing up for your mother wound course which starts at the end of this month some people might feel fear or sadness or longing Hmm. or maybe excitement or curiosity or relief But I think in general, it's an activating topic. And so I'm so glad that you are our guide because your approach to the mother wound is very compassionate and curious, and it's not about shaming or blaming anyone. So whatever people are feeling and bringing to this conversation, it's safe here. Hmm. Yes, thank you, Victoria.
0: It is such a tender topic. And I want to start by letting you know as you're listening that I am holding you gently and also holding your mother and her mother before her and her mother before her, that we can hold this topic With so much gentleness, with a great holding, a holding that defies explanation, where we are held in compassion. We are held in a greater historical context. We move beyond shaming and blaming. And so, before we even formally begin, or this can be the formal beginning, I would invite you to notice what's coming up for you, just listening to this episode, just starting out by imagining your mother and grandmothers and great-grandmothers, and giving yourself permission to pause at any time. You don't have to rush through the listening. This is painful territory we're entering into, and for some, it's trauma territory. And so we need to honor our bodies and our rhythms and our needs and our pain and our grief and our longing with great attunement. And in the honoring, in the attuning, we are also healing from the mother wound in the listening, in the slowness, in the making space for the full range of your emotional experience, we are healing the mother wound. So taking a few moments as long as you need to turn inward, to inquire gently Where does this land in me? Where does this topic land in me? And I will start with a little story that I do share in the Mother Wound course. And I think people hear things in different ways. So even if you have already taken that course, to hear me share this story in my voice might land in a different place in you. And it's about how much more vulnerable we are during transitions, which I talk a lot about in my work, but specifically how the longing for mothers surged in me during both of my pregnancies. And it felt like an archetypal longing for great mother, for mother circles, the longing to be cared for, to be held in soft wings, to be nurtured. And it did have something to do with my relationship with my mother, who I was estranged from in my first pregnancy. And it was extraordinarily painful. But it also extended far beyond that. It was this pulsing, deep, primal longing to be taken into the fold of a tribe of women who were also connected to Divine Feminine Great Mother. And so... I was in therapy at the time with a man, and that was the last time I was in therapy with a man actually, and I knew at the end of my pregnancy that I would need to be with a woman next, and I was, but during the pregnancy, this this longing was so deep in me, and he said something to me which was so wise. When I asked him what more I could doing I could be doing for myself when when the grief of my mother loss and my longing for mothering arose, he said, have long conversations with the goddess. And I realized that in the absence of mothers, that I had this opportunity to grow um, my connection to my ancestors, to other mothers all around. And that all I really needed to do was, was listen, to trust my body, to trust the baby who was growing inside of me. And I came home and I wrote this poem. It was shortly before my first son was born. And a little bit of a context is one of the great joys of that pregnancy, which was extremely hard for me physically, um, was being in water. And there was a prenatal swim class at the local YMCA that was my sanctuary. It was my, my deep relief. It wasn't actually a swim class. It was basically just a bunch of pregnant women floating around a 92 degree little shallow pool and we were (laughs) in heaven (laughs) and we would talk and it, it met some of this longing and this need and I met one of my dear friends in that class and we're still friends today mothers are everywhere carried on the current of seven pregnant women circling a warm square pool I am reminded that I do not have to do this alone. Support arrives in many forms. And when I open myself to the moon's pole and the ocean's tides, to the rain that drops from a shower head and the aqua water that fills the tub, to our birthing teacher and my departed ancestors that visit in the night. I remember that mothers are everywhere, ready to carry me in their wide embrace through the ebb and flow of this next season. So the mother wound, I think, is a phrase that gets thrown around these days, and I think it's helpful to have a definition. What is it that we are actually talking about when we are discussing the mother wound? So here is my definition. I'm sure there are many, many other wonderful definitions A mother wound is a rupture of attunement, where a mother, due to her own unmet needs, lack of fulfillment or sense of self, and or narcissistic and judgmental tendencies, is unable to meet the emotional and spiritual needs of her child. The mother's expectations and needs become paramount, and the daughter learns to orient around those needs. So, said even more simply, this is a mother who, on some level, usually not consciously, is what it feels like is that your mother is taking something from you instead of giving to you. That she's trying to fill her own hole, her own anxiety, her own low self worth, trying to define herself through you. And this can show up in many different ways. It can show up as um, a mother's emotions that took up a lot of space. Um, That there was a sense that there wasn't room for you as a separate you. She wasn't able to attune to your needs as separate from hers. It was like you were an extension of her in some way. Instead of your own unique expression of a human being, your mother's questions may have felt invasive. Her touch may have felt invasive. There may have been a lot of anger, judgment, criticism, shaming, withdrawal, punishment. You may have had the sense of you never quite knew where you stood. There may have been boundary violations from physical to emotional to spiritual to sexual. Sometimes the mother wound shows up as mother loss. You lost your mother early in life or later in life from estrangement or because she passed away. And how this can show up now, how it can manifest some of, we could say, symptoms of having a mother wound, and certainly everything I'm about to read could have other sources, root causes as well. It might show up as perfectionism, as overachieving, trying to prove your worth, carrying guilt and shame. Having difficulty with self-trust, difficulty setting boundaries, assuming that everything is your fault, assuming that people are always mad at you, having difficulty claiming your voice and stepping into your power, feeling responsible for other people's feelings, having the sense that you are more emotionally and psychologically mature than your mother, having difficulty being in your body, loving your body, accepting your body, including body-related challenges like insomnia and even health anxiety. This last point about the body is... Prominent shows up a lot, and it's very interesting. The word mother comes from the Latin mater, which means matter. So there's this connection between mother as matter, our bodies as matter, physical matter, and how we've been indoctrinated by the patriarchy to reject matter, reject our bodies, reject the earth. Reject our power. And mothers have been taught this for thousands of years. So, of course, they pass it along. They pass it on to their daughters. This isn't their fault. So, this is part of how we shift out of the blame mindset so that we can see the wound clearly and tenderly and begin to heal it for ourselves. For our children, also for our mothers and grandmothers, and for the earth herself. And as we move into the archetypal realm here, in terms of recognizing that healing from the mother wound is a collective task, we can see, we can see so clearly that it descends from living under the patriarchal paradigm for thousands of years, this paradigm that seeks to keep women small, to keep us cut off from our bodies and emotions, to separate women from each other in a scarcity mindset that says that only a few people can shine and that there's only room for one queen in a family. So we've been cut off from our lineage, from our birthright of female power, from a model of mothers who have enough wholeness and well-being that they can support their daughters in being fully who they are. And we know from archaeology and anthropology that these matrilineal cultures existed at one point. The island cultures, the Avalon cultures, this it existed and so we know it somewhere inside of our beings that this isn't right and it needs to shift. and that we are being handed an intergenerational baton that can stop with us and so I want to pause for a moment a few moments and in the vein of healthy mothering to allow for space and invite you to notice again what might be stirring inside of you To listen to your body and to know that however the mother womb shows up for you, you are not alone. again to listen to your rhythm, to pause whenever you need to pause. This truth that you are not alone speaks to how rampant the mother wound is in Over 20 years of working with women, I can count on one hand the clients who don't have a mother wound, who have a mature, honoring, healthy relationship with their mother. Not perfect, but healthy, one that is reciprocal, where there's room for the daughter's needs. There's room for disagreement. There's room to express differences and still be accepted. There's an implicit trust in who the daughter is in her being, and a reverence for that, for her separateness.
1: Cheryl, as you were speaking, this poem kept coming into my mind, and I actually have heard a really beautiful musical rendition of Mm. it, which I'll share on the episode page. It's called On Children by Khalil Gibran. And a woman who held a babe against her bosom said, Speak to us of children. And he said, Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you. For life goes not backward, nor tarries with yesterday. You are the bows from which your children as living arrows are sent forth. The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite, and he bends you with his might that his arrows may go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness. For even as he loves the arrow that flies, so he loves also the bow that is stable.
0: <sighs> Chills all over it's one of my most favorite poems i think it is in the course and i think i've all, well, i know i've also shared it on my blog specifically talking about what it has been to be a mother and letting you know my son take such a different path from anything I could have ever imagined. And to watch him take flight and knowing that my only job, my only job is to work with enough of my fear and grief that I can get myself out of the way and keep supporting him to fly higher and further away quite literally. And how many times, you know, in his dream of becoming an astronaut and stepping foot on Mars, I've in my head said, can't you just be an accountant? (laughs) 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 Or an engineer would be awesome. Just be an engineer, work in the lab. No, that's not his path. And his path is not my path.
1: There's another text that you recommended to me, and it's a book called Wise Child by Monica Furlong, Hmm. and I read it in preparation for this episode, and I love it. It's such a beautiful book. It focuses on a girl named Wise Child, and that's her nickname, who. Is essentially abandoned from her parents it takes place in scotland in i don't know long long ago right (laughs) Mm -hmm. some other time (laughs) and she is sent to live with juniper who the village calls a witch and she has these healing powers and she she's an herbalist and wise child is really afraid in the beginning But Juniper is so loving and patient and present and respectful to Mm. Wise Child. And Mm. something that really stuck with me from the book is this sense of tension throughout the book where Wise Child and maybe even the reader are just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm Mm-hmm. Like every time wise child makes a mistake or does something quote unquote bad, Mm. she thinks to herself like, oh, this will be, this is when she's going to show her true colors or this is when she's going to rage at me or push me away or stop loving me or be disappointed in me or Mm. tell me I'm bad. Yes. And it never happens. (sighs) That's a spoiler alert. <laughs> it never happens. And of course, Juniper is a very special kind of almost supernatural being and mm. to try to live up to oh, I I'm just going to be Juniper as a mother is I think probably impossible, but what I find really interesting is that we are all both the wise child, and Juniper as we grow up. Even if you don't have children, there's like a movement from Mm -hmm. being a child to being, you know, many different ways of being a mother in the world. Yes, Yes. And so anytime we make a mistake, we are also wise child wondering like, am I still lovable? Is the shoe going to come down? Is the, you know... Is that going to come down on me? Mm-hmm. And Juniper represents this divine nurturing love, yes. that great mother love that you talk about that is always infinite. Nothing can cut us off from it.
0: That's right. And there's another tension in that most poetic-wise spectacular special book um, that was recommended to me by um, a couple of women in one of the virtual Zoom groups that I led at the beginning of COVID. And um, that book is actually sort of the the textbook for the mother Wound course because it so beautifully encapsulates the wound and also the repair. And this other tension in the book is around, is Wise Child going to go back to her biological mother, who is really the quintessential, extreme, narcissistic, um, quite damaging, abusive mother. But the book communicates the longing for a personal mother, even when it's an abusive, toxic mother, and how deep the loyalty bonds run. And so you don't really know because you watch her pull. And the reader, as the reader, you're like, why would she ever go back to Maeve the biological mother when she has juniper who's like this you know incredible wise loving unconditionally loving mother figure but it speaks to those loyalty contracts the loyalty bonds how deep they run how difficult it is to see the harm that our mothers have done, no. unintentionally for the most part, but we have to see it in order to break free from it. And that doesn't mean not having a relationship with your personal mother. Some people do make that choice. It's a question that always comes up in this conversation about the mother wound. Right. How do I have a relationship with my mother? What does that look like? How do I do it in a healthy way? And there are ways to do that. While also growing this new relationship with imaginal mothers. And for a lot of women who read that book, Juniper becomes one of their imaginal mothers. That we can draw from literature. We can draw from characters in books, in films. As we start to piece together and grow
1: other mothers. And I think one of the things that Juniper models is a reclamation of power. Yes. You talked about the mother wound really arising out of the patriarchy from Mm -hmm. that disconnection. And the patriarchy... Needs women to be disconnected from their power. And so that power becomes like warped. Um, And our relationship with power can become warped. Yes. And there's a sense of growing up and ownership that seems so important to this healing for both a daughter and for a mother. Mm. That might seem scary, but is actually a pathway to, to being more yourself. Like, mm. the, I think sometimes we get stuck thinking, oh, if I take on this responsibility or if I'm honest about seeing this in myself, like I can't handle that or I don't want that burden. Mm. But I actually think it's a path to freedom and, and being more yourself. Yes,
0: And it's freedom not only for you, but also for your mother and all of the mothers that came before you, that the more you reclaim who you are and set healthy boundaries and step into your power and use your voice and your song and your dance, however that shows up for you. Power is freedom. Freedom is power. And you are also setting your mother free. You don't have to be burdened by how she, how her own mother wounding and how the very long intergenerational lineage of wounding. You don't have to be burdened by that for the rest of your life. It's actually a very healable wound, and I've seen that over and over and over again. It is a healable wound, and it's an incredibly empowering process to heal from this wound for you and for everybody around you, and I would say for the earth as well.
1: Mm. I'm just taking a minute. Mm.
0: Yeah. Let's everybody take a minute. Mm.
1: I just find myself coming back to that tender feeling Mm. that there's just like worlds of pain and actually longing for connection like on both sides and I'm thinking about how sometimes the more you can take that responsibility and do that inner work the more you can actually appreciate in some cases not all the incremental steps that that those before you took for you to get to this place? Mm-hmm. Even if they weren't able to like fully break a pattern or fully, you know, get free, were there some incremental steps that people took before you that have yes. led you here? Mm. Mm. And that's a really tender feeling. Very tender
0: and very honoring of who comes before us and both their fallibility, but also their strength and whatever patterns they had to break in order to be there for you a little bit more than maybe other generations were there for them. In some ways, and I, and I share this with clients, we are, I think, meant to surpass our parents. And so even though there might be the feeling of I'm more emotionally mature or responsible than my mother, there is a way in which I think that that is as it's meant to be. Mm. That There are certainly very rare situations that are closer to the Juniper-Wise Child relationship, but that's exceedingly rare and that This is also how we evolve. This is how we grow as a species. And so on one level, it's okay that your mother couldn't be there for you in these certain ways or failed you in these certain ways. And that it's like I see my job as a parent to... Encourage my children to be fully who they are and to hopefully become. Well, I have no doubt that they are already in some ways more emotionally intelligent than Dave and I are. And is that because of the way that we've raised them? Yes. But there's also some like a way that they've surpassed that words of wisdom come out of their mouths that we did not teach them. That they are going to be, I think, healthier emotionally than we are. And I want that for them. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Not that I want them to parent me. I do not want that at all. That's not their job. But I celebrate their growth and their wisdom, Mm -hmm. and I am aware of how I have fallen short. And so I think it's important to say also in this conversation around the mother wound that, like you said, Victoria, this is not about being juniper and embodying that perfect all accepting, all loving mother all the time, who never loses her temper, who's never impatient. That's actually not humanly possible as a parent. But it's about owning. It's about ownership. It's about a parent's ability to own where they fall short, when they mess up, so that they're not burdening their children with the belief that their children are responsible. For a parent's shortcomings, and that in the end, the child then emerges from childhood hopefully with a solid sense of themselves, a sense of boundaries. This is where I end and you begin, a sense of their agency, a sense of their true power.
1: Yeah, it reminds me what you're saying. It reminds me of that part in the poem that I read. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you. Mm. For life <laughs> goes not backward. What you're saying I think is really helpful and important that mm. I mean, I even see it in my youngest sister is 15 years younger than me. So we're different generations and I'm learning from her now, you know. Yes. Yes. I would love to hear if this feels like the right moment. I know you have another poem. Does it feel like the right moment? Yes, I
0: think it's a good way to close out. Um, So my longing to connect with other mothers surged again during my second pregnancy, as I mentioned, And again, I turned to writing, specifically poetry, to connect with her. And nine days before Asher was born, I wrote this poem. The Great Mother is everywhere. She doesn't only live in holiness up high, but dwells in this earth in the places where I exhale and am held in her wings. She's in waters of a warm, hot tub, suds of lavender scrubbed into my skin and releasing clouds of soap into the limestone. Of the creek, the mountain sun playing on the surface to gold butterflies, I inhale the light and sounds of the moving water over rocks, but I cannot sidle close enough to the perfect yet holy earthly beauty. Oh goddess, wrap me bodily in these waters. Let me know what my baby knows who drifts only in the warmth of the womb. She's in light of the candles that illuminate my tub nightly The union of flame, wick, and wax. The human capacity to capture fire. The gift of bees, so that I may feed my soul by their honeyed labor. Of the sun that beams through the long glass windows in our living room, casts its western rays all afternoon until we are bathed head to toe in sunlight. She's in creation of beauty, poking up her early spring head as purple crocuses and yellow daffodils, some of which my son and I planted last fall when, sick with pregnancy, I bent low to the earth and breathed in the rich soil, and he, patient with a mother transformed, dropped a bulb into each hole. Of majesty, the hundred-year-old cottonwood, still bare-limbed but alive with birdsong, how many creatures have they witnessed birthing on this land? Of the evening sky, that silhouettes the trees in glacial blue and turquoise. She's in women, who I move through the rhythms with weekly, our bellies telling our stories and leading our rounded bodies through the room. Who midwife us, women of strength, who wipe the sweat from our brows, catch our screams, Watch the infinite shape of breath and hips as we stand on the bricks and cross over to the new life. And those who hold me up across vast distances, my soulmates and sisters whose stories are woven into my own story so tightly that their joy buoys me and my pain is carried as their own. We cry, and laugh, and labor together, knowing that it's only bearable within the web of our connection. She's in Seasons, the mysterious symmetry of the universe that tells the first tender green leaves to bloom. The moon that waxes and wanes every 28 days, now full, now in my belly, round as an egg, I am all roundness, housing this child of spring, of celebration and possibility. She's in me, allowing me to birth myself as a mother once, and now as the moon rounds and the new life of spring announces itself everywhere, moving through me as I birth myself again.
1: So oh, beautiful and so appropriate for this spring time of year that we're in. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> yes. Sometimes
1: easier to feel mothers in this season. Hmm. Thank you, Cheryl. Mm, thank you, Victoria. If people want to find more of you and your work online and if they want to sign up for your mother wound course, where should they go?
0: My website is conscious-transitions.com and if you're interested in the course, if you click on the courses tab in the top navigation menu, um, you'll see the drop down menu and then you'll see healing the mother wound. And I am on Instagram
1: at Wisdom of Anxiety. And you can find me over at my other podcast, Perennials, or on Instagram at Perennials Podcast. And if you are enjoying Gathering Gold, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, rate it, leave a review, share it with a friend. And if you really love the show, you might want to check out our Gathering Gold Patreon community. If you become a patron, you will have access to monthly bonus episodes. You can message us with questions. There's also opportunities for virtual meetups with Cheryl and me and other listeners. The first meetup will be May 22nd at 4 p.m. Eastern time for the meetup members tier. And next week, we will be posting a bonus episode for our patrons Um, addressing a question sent in by one of the Gathering Gold patrons in the community. Thank you for listening.